Happy Friday, and thanks for making it through another week with us here on the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnson-directed film, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And we are sneaking around a hospital today. So. We certainly are. And it's just the two of us, no guests. Yeah, so no. Uh, so it's like we have to get to know each other all over again. Yeah, yeah. And what a place that. in a, in a darkened <laughs> darke room with uh, somebody wrapped up in bandages and uh, a rather looming, ominous figure who we've never, we haven't seen his face yet. We've, we've seen his, uh, I'm going to use the phrase, hairy pinky. We have seen his hairy <laughs> pinky and we've heard his voice. Uh, just saying the word yes. But uh, and, it's just this large guy in a pork pie hat. Right. And those, uh, I mean, that's just the very definition of noir, the way this uh, Minute 25 starts with the incredibly stark shadows on the wall. And the, you can see the open window where he came in. Oh, yeah. yeah the uh, Curacero, as the uh, Italians say much better than I do. Um, <laughs> light and shadow there. I do love, <laughs> I do love the wainscoting. I, I just... I keep looking at the problem is uh, my wife and I watch way too much HGTV and we keep thinking <laughs> oh, that would be a nice plain uh, makeover for paneling. But uh, what a what a great amount of woodwork in this hospital. I I really have to hand it to the uh, the art director for really putting together a good solid Art Deco looking uh, county general. <laughs> right, and they they could have gotten away with something that was so you know that was just bland and you know just sort of sterile walls and everything else, but. Uh... Really is yeah. a nice uh, a nice look to it. Yeah, it's almost like um, the Pottery Barn Hospital. I just uh, <laughs> quite a thing. And uh, poor Wilmer, he really uh, looks. <laughs> he really didn't do good after falling out of that car when the plane right. hit it. And this is back in the days when uh, when sort of a typical medical treatment just meant elevate everything. Yeah. <laughs> so everything's in these big, you know, slings and and all this stuff. Yeah, apparently just more, more blood pressure on his spine, the better. That's <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Fortunately, you know, it did. He it nothing touched his face. He has a perfectly, <laughs> perfectly untouched face. Uh, just you know, it, it, which shines out nicely in uh, in contrast to the uh, sparkling white uh, plaster cast around his neck. Somehow, in case he broke his. Uh, Windpipe? I don't know what the I don't know what the purpose of that is. Right? Yeah, it's not like uh, it's not just a C collar. It's an actual. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a letter O. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, and he's got his uh, you know like Olivia Newton John uh, headband thing. It doesn't that doesn't look like it's keeping his skull together. It's just kind no, of it's just sort of resting there. He does have little scratches on his nose. So yeah, he, he paid the price. But, just uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all those piano lessons were nothing. Um, exactly, just a messed up thing. Anyway, we have uh, Lothar who is uh, marched in to uh, do the special condolence call for uh, uh, Neville. He carefully listens at the door where a nurse and a uh, police officer who is you know they're guarding Wilmer for the FBI. And apparently, the FBI doesn't bother. Just they figure a city cop will be able to handle all this. Right. And well, uh, and okay. in the in the credits, he's even just listed as a security guard. But uh, but everything about his uniform. Uh, and his sidearm, which we see more in, uh, sorry, spoiler alert, we see a little bit more of that in the next minute. Uh, looks like just very standard, uh, you know, standard issue uh, police from from uh, 38, from the right era here. So Yeah, there's, uh, if, if, if it had the L.A. Civic uh, 
uh, building on f- the front of it, I'd start to worry about that because it hadn't been built yet. <laughs> so, right. But, but yeah, we Clint, know Joe Johnston and company are way smarter than that. Yeah, yeah. So. He's wearing he's wearing his uh, nine point hat, and uh, he, and the nurse has a neatly folded kind of the way they fold bath towels at the uh, Four Seasons <laughs> right. nowadays. But that, that or, or napkins in some yeah. restaurants. It's almost as <laughs> yeah, it's very swan. festive. I mean, she, yeah, she could have she could have worn a swan today or, or right. a fish or something. But they're uh, they're both sitting and chuckling over coffee, and uh, f- uh, as we've figured out from carefully listening to individual syllables, they're listening to Fibber McGee and Company, uh, which in nineteen in October of nineteen thirty eight was uh, was playing on a regular basis on the NBC network. It used to be Fibber McGee and Molly, but uh, unfortunately uh, Molly was having a problem with uh, substance abuse, and she was. Uh, at the time, she was taking the cure somewhere, and uh, I guess at the time it was a sanitarium. So they had changed the name to uh, uh, Fibber McGee and Company. Uh, it's heady, uh, heady stuff for for 1938. You know, it's uh, although you wonder how public that was at the time. It, but you've got uh, it's Jim and Marion Jordan, the real life married couple who play Fibber McGee and Molly, and uh, and as you say, then they had to switch it to and Company while she was. Uh, while she was away, it's amazing to look back on on this type of radio as entertainment. It's it's comedy, uh, of course, and you know, in the, obviously pre television era, everything else. It's when you wanted entertainment uh, in the evenings or whatever, you, you huddled around the radio and you listened. As I recall, and you may know this better than I do, but sort of the whole Fibber McGee and Molly thing was uh, there was a strong recurring gag, and it was about his closet. Yes. Right. That it was always overstuffed, and then at some point in every episode, he opened the closet and everything fell out. Yeah, and a rather extended, uh, extended series of uh, sound effects going sure, on for yeah, upwards of a minute. It just went on and on and on, and uh, and it's it's amazing that that's funny without the visual. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it was it was tremendously popular. It was considered hilarious at the time, and uh, um, and you just you had to use your imagination. You had to it was sort of theater uh, theater of the mind. Yeah, the the plots were were simple. They were, you know, as every day it was the the town of Wistful Vista, and uh, generally, uh, Fibber McGee had a some kind of a harebrained get rich quick thing. Not not too much different from the honeymooners, except they were a little bit more well off, and they were living in a in a house rather than an apartment in Brooklyn. But uh, McGee would come up with some idea, and different people would stop by the mayor and other other folks that were that were in town to try to talk him out of it. But then he. He'd go for he'd go for it, and then there would be just some horrible comeuppance with why the thing didn't work. Um, a particular one that I remember, um, I used to listen to reruns of this. Uh, uh, the local AM station in my my hometown in upstate New York had it would play reruns of Fibber McGee and Molly every night, so I got got used to listening to them. Uh, there was one, uh, I guess it was because my my dad. Uh, was the head of the local Elks Club there. So it, we were always dealing with this falling apart Elks Club. And Fibber McGee was uh, an Elks Club member on the show. And one of the things that they were celebrating on the on the show was that uh, McGee's, under McGee's uh, management, the Elks Club managed to pay off their mortgage uh, of their Elks Lodge. And so they were going to have a big mortgage-burning party uh, and a picnic at the Elks Lodge. He put the mortgage into a fire to burn it up, and as he put it in there, the wind caught it and flipped it up on the roof of the Elks Lodge and promptly burned the place to the ground. And uh, <laughs> he realized at the time when it was burning to the ground that uh, on his office desk in the you know the 
uh, Elk's uh, leader's office, he had uh, left the premium payment for the uh, uh, business insurance to pay for the replacement of the place. So they, not only did they lose the building as they paid off the mortgage, but they lost the insurance that would have uh, paid for its replacement. And it's just, it's just one of those very sad things that you hear. But it was, you know, I mean, this is a terrible tragedy, but it was just hysterical to listen to. And they came up with this kind of stuff every, you know, every show. Uh, it was a funny show. It's low, I mean, nowadays it probably doesn't have the the high intensity that that people want out of out of their comedy, but at, at the time it was a very popular and, and funny show, <laughs> and and a wonderful cautionary tale about not burning <laughs> yes, the mortgage. Just, apparently, <laughs> let's let's not have a burning yeah, the mortgage there, there party. Will be no neener 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 yeah. in this town. Yeah, <laughs> now, I'm not. Uh, uh, believe it or not, I'm not an expert on uh, telephones. But you know, right about uh, second thirteen or so, when we when we cut to the nurse and uh, and the cop, they're kind of. Thinking, I think it's kind of this flirty little date thing sitting there listening to the radio when he's supposed to be guarding Wilmer. Um, anyway, I'm about uh, 85, 90% sure that's a Western Electric uh, candlestick uh, type dial phone sitting there that we're um, seeing from the back. It, uh, um, it wouldn't be a candlestick. Yeah. Or not candlestick, excuse me, but just but the Western Electric uh, handset model. Yeah, yeah, of course, not a candlestick. Yeah, the, but, uh, the candlestick um, phones were were popular into the 40s, but uh, they were pretty much getting phased right. out, I'd say, the mid-30s. Once once we started getting, especially when exchanges starting started to handle uh, rotary uh, operation, the candlestick was insufficient. Sure. I mean, you, you had candlesticks that had rotary dials on it, but by the time they had uh, switched over to the handset phone, you... Uh, uh, the the rotary it was a requirement to get to get phones. Yeah, there, there were there were candlestick phones back. I mean, even as early as the twenties, had the rotary dial, but the most typical, right. yeah, the typical yeah, one put in put into a house. Like a lot of them were put in in nineteen like the nineteen tens, nineteen fifteen or so. And uh, you just call the central office and say, I want to speak to you know Henderson two o. Uh, but uh, right. but and this one you know, obviously. Or you tell Sarah to get me Thelma Lou. Yeah, for exactly. Example. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I don't know if you've ever held one of those older phones, but they are just incredibly heavy too. Oh yeah, like they're solid. I don't know if they were Bakelite or or what the what the material just, was. I feel like they're made out of granite. Yeah, yeah incredibly <laughs> dense. <laughs> they were they're good murder oh. weapons. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and, and plus they have two in the both the receiver and the transmitter sections of those phones. They had these big heavy carbon elements that went inside them. And they were just like hockey pucks in, inside. They were very sturdy. There was that, that, that phone did not need a lot of uh, maintenance. And uh, you know, it's funny how, for almost a century, that you know, I mean, for let's say at least seventy years, having a, a handset telephone nearby on a cord was common. And now it's almost like you know, seeing a, a phonograph needle. Yeah, exactly. We've got listeners out there who just don't have uh, a phone installed in their home. Yeah, I, um, I know I don't. Know. I, I've I run completely on cell or on Skype, and uh, I, I kept thinking that I would miss it, but I don't. I just the only people that called were, um, you know, people trying to sell you stuff. Right. <laughs> and so it was like, it, it, after a time, it said, and and the idea used to be, well, you want to have one in case of a storm. Well, if if there's a storm that that that's that bad, um, my cell phone can still handle it because the cell phone's uh, tower is tied into the same phone system that the landlines are tied into. So oh, there you go. You know, uh, we were talking before we started uh, started the show tonight about the whole Fibber McGee and Molly thing. You told me something really interesting about uh, just jumping back quickly. You told me something really interesting about uh, how Fibber McGee would sign off on the show, and then uh, the repercussions there. Maybe we could share oh, yeah. that real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, 
uh, of course, I've forgotten the, the fellow that played McGee. Uh, um, Jordan. Jim Jordan? Jim, yeah. yeah. He, he would say goodnight to his wife, Marion, but he would say on the air as, as he was going off, he'd say, goodnight, Molly, and then they'd, you know, the applause and the music and up and down. And the FCC got mad at him and said, you cannot use a public airwave, the public airwaves, for a private conversation. And they considered goodbye, Molly, was a personal note to his wife and they the FCC finally reversed itself after a couple of weeks because somebody pointed out that he's not saying goodnight Mary and he's saying goodnight Molly and since there is no person out there really named Molly <laughs> that he's saying goodnight to this is just you know it's it's an effect it's a it's a sign off for the show it's a tagline so they said he could say goodnight Molly it's amazing uh, what the FCC was... had to worry about back then yeah you know, what that reminded me of uh, quickly is uh, as a kid uh, my dad was flying for United Airlines and uh, I remember um, in the early to early to mid seventies, sitting around our house uh, outside of San Francisco, and we had a scanner set up, and uh, we'd always listen listen for my dad on the radio when he would go out, and it must have been when he would be leaving uh, Oshkosh Tower. Oshkosh, listen to me, I'm, I'm in Oshkosh, <laughs> San Francisco Tower. My goodness, and uh, um, and being handed off to uh, departure, so he would say. Good night, Niles. My mom's name was Nyla, um, but he would say it really quick, and he always figured that everybody, uh, everybody thought he was just saying, "Well, good night now," because it's not it's not uncommon uh, to have a little friendly, you know, hello yeah. or goodbye to a to an air traffic controller. So I, I have very vivid memories of sitting around, you know, sort of listening to the traffic, starting to decipher it and things, and I'm probably you know, six years old at this point, and then waiting for him to uh, to say goodnight to my mom. I always thought that was a very sweet thing for that, them. That is, that is really nice. Wow. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's the, the, the equivalent of the Carol Burnett tug on the ear. Yeah, for, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, Except uh, you can uh, totally hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but he managed to get it, get it in under the radar. That was, right. um, Ooh, that was really neat. Probably pun intended, yes, yes. under the radar. <laughs> Oh. Anyway, wow. so there was, uh, if I remember right, we were talking about a movie at yeah, one point. Yeah, something about uh, a The Rock of something. Yeah, The Rock of yeah. Who. Yeah, yeah, The Rock of Who. We're watching, you know, speaking, this is a really weird thing that I didn't know. It's, it's one of those things that you don't know it's gone until it's already gone and people point it out to you. I've been online with people talking about doing renovation, you know, like the HDTV shows and stuff. Right. And younger people are doing renovations on houses. And they talked about how... Uh, somebody I was talking with online was talking about how the house that they bought had those old-fashioned round doorknobs. And I did not realize that round oh doorknobs have gone, like that is a thing of the past. I didn't, I, I thought, oh, okay, I, you know, to me the handle idea, well, it's a very good idea. Yeah. It just doesn't, it seems like something that you put in as a special look to your house. But right. apparently that is the standard now. And uh, I don't know if it's an ADA thing, but this is like the, it, it's like the way we went from incandescent to LEDs. But round doorknobs are now a an uncommon thing, or even an antique. And so we're we're seeing a Lothar stuffing a chair under one of those old fashioned round brass right. doorknobs. Now that was a uh, you know bracing a door like that was a trick I first learned from Fonzie on Happy Days. <laughs> Don't ask me why I remember that. I just remember him walking in, setting the chair in there, tucking it in, and 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 it was like nobody had ever seen this before. And it was uh, you know it was one of the coolest things he ever did. Wow. So, yeah, the only thing I learned about doors was um, I'm trying to remember the movie that I saw it in. But you take a uh, kids try this at home if you still have any record albums. Um, <laughs> when you wanted to um, prank someone, you take a 
you take a large uh, record album, an LP record album, take the record out, push the edges of the of the record album so it kind of puckers open, and pour in as much uh, baby powder as you can. Then slide the front end, the open end of the re- of the record album under somebody's door, <laughs> and step on it really hard, and you will blow baby powder all over the other person's room without ever opening their door. So that's my that's my only door prank I know, and it, it's tangential related. <laughs> so I'm picturing right for some reason, and and forgive me, Billy, but I'm picturing Billy Campbell listening to this right now, and then I'm picturing him frantically taking notes, and then and then he's going to send us a picture of uh, you know, it works you know, somewhere I, on the set of Cardinal, and he's yeah, stuffed somebody's I, dressing room full of baby powder, and and it's our fault. Yeah, he couldn't find a, a record album though in Canada. We'll, we'll find out. Well, so. Sure. Uh, we're still. I'm trying trying not to go too far afield, but we're watching a uh, Lothar put that uh, that chair up against there. Which, gosh, they painted it even a different color. It's it's like bone white. I was you know that nice. It matches with it clashes with the almond of the of the walls. But we see his shadowy figure go back to you know Wilmer, who is strung up like a like a Christmas turkey, and uh, we're finally getting a closer look at his face, which is even more noticeable as. <laughs> As Lothar strikes a match off of Wilmer's <laughs> neck, which is a great, a great move. That just really establishes who's in charge in this scene, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's a, it's just such a beautiful lighting thing as, as he lights it up, and there that that light that they've obviously pointed a spot and tightly focused spot where the uh, match goes. The actor right. Tiny Ron, with the the most inappropriately named uh, Tiny Ron, uh, holds a that little match with those giant hands in front of Wilmer. Exactly. And we get our first good look at Lothar, who, um, if you know, fans of this movie already know, that the makeup uh, that's being used on Tiny Rom is to uh, recreate the uh, the look of uh, a famous character actor. Uh, who He wasn't in that many movies, but he was famous for his looks as, as the heavy in... Um, in a bunch of movies, the, uh, the actor Rondo Hatton. Rondo Hatton, uh, famous for his looks, and uh, I think they sold a lot of masks based on him. But he uh, suffered from a disease called uh, uh, acromegaly, which is uh, human growth hormone, uh, an abundance of human growth hormone in your system after the bone plates, the, 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 edge, the bony plates, the, the edges of your bones that normally grow. Once they seal shut, if the human growth hormone is still present, Everything kind of bows outward. You wind up with your hands get bigger, your feet get bigger, uh, the forehead starts jutting out above the eyes. It's basically it's you're you're busting at the seams where uh, where all your joints are. Your uh, your voice gets uh, gets lower because your your neck gets thicker. You know it's it's a very it's a very difficult disease. It's very, it's 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 highly disfiguring. It makes you uh, abnormally tall, abnormally wide. And uh, plays a great strain on your heart and other organs. So you have a tendency if you're if you've been diagnosed with this, uh, it's typically caused by a pituitary hormone. This isn't a genetic thing, but it's if you have a a, a tumor near your pituitary gland, th- this will cause a lot of human growth hormone in your body. So it's a it's a painful disease, and uh, people like this don't live too long. Uh, uh, poor Rondo Hatton lived to be 51. Wow. And. Uh, you know, he had other he had other things he wanted to do in his life besides playing, a, you know, a, a menacing character in movies. I mean, it paid okay, but he was a sports writer from Florida, and uh, this disease took hold of him in his early twenties. And uh, he was spotted by a movie director, who put him in a couple of 
gangster movies and then he became part of you know like the monster scene and uh, he became recognized as a just a you know a henchman uh, an evil an evil dude well it's interesting too and, and not surprising that uh, tiny ron taylor who's uh, who's playing this character who's as you said his look is inspired by rondo hatton he's got a sports background as well again no shock but he was a basketball player and uh uh that's that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge of what I call sports ball. Is I can I can usually identify basketball versus football, and that's about the end of it. But uh, and uh, Taylor or Tiny Ron went on to do a uh, number of episodes of uh, Star Trek, both Deep Space Nine and Voyager. And uh, as we were talking about uh, offline earlier today, the uh, um, the thing I love him best is as uh, as Al. You never see his face, but in the Naked Gun, and then uh, the the TV series it was based on Police Squad. Um, yes, that, that same that same right hand that you see in the exactly TV is yes. mostly Al, yeah. right? And you know that that wonderful scene where he's Leslie Nielsen is telling me you got a little something, or maybe it's George Kennedy, one of the two, telling me you got a little something on your face, and brushes his face. Nope, other side, and then an entire banana falls in from out of frame. <laughs> that is comedy gold. Yes, yes. Uh, Police Squad, I, there were only six episodes of yes. Police Squad, but you can watch them again and again and again. My my favorite part of Police Squad has always been the uh, the idea that every time they have a guest star, the guest star does not survive the opening credits. Right. They always, they exactly. Get, they always get killed for in, in some horrible manner That's... or another. Um, but uh, it's um, Rondo Hatton's other face. His face is familiar for those of you not watching him in movies or TV shows. He would have never lived long enough to be on TV, but if you don't know him from horror movies, his face was the model for the uh, uh, comic book character Judge Dredd. Sylvester Stallone's uh, face was kind of modified when when they did the, uh, the Sylvester Stallone version. He had to kind of uh, push his chin out, and they added a little bit of uh, small appliances to make his face look more like Rondo Hatton. So, so Rondo, even though he's not with us anymore, his uh, his visage lives on. And uh, it's a great it, it it is a great thing in this movie. He's just he's expressionless for most of the movie. We see him later on with a, some different expressions, uh, but it's mostly he just it, it's it, he he's this menacing look just at rest. He's a, he has a resting menace, <laughs> right? Resting menace face, I guess. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. In yeah. the uh, vernacular of the times, yeah, and that uh, that wonderful prosthetic makeup which you know unlike a lot of stuff of the air i think this still holds up pretty well uh you can yeah. certainly you can certainly see his prosthetics but of course that's rick baker uh leading that effort uh so gosh what what didn't rick baker work on he was star wars stuff um king kong know, the original king, king you know the, yeah. not the original but the 76 76 king kong yeah. uh an american right. werewolf in london the whole transformation thing it's still one of the best sort of in-camera uh, cosmetic slash prosthetic type effects things, you know, I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, look at the the texture and uh, you know, the texture and the shape. It's very naturally flowing. And if if you've seen, uh, as I strongly recommend, if anybody can get a hold of the uh, Rocketeer's uh, official souvenir guide, they'll show pictures of this makeup being applied and the appliances are all just this, you know, off white latex, but the, the coloration and the, 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 the surface texture of it looks just so natural as part of his skin. It's, it's fantastic that, you know, you, you'd really believe that, no, maybe there is a guy out there that looks like this who, you know, isn't Rondo Hatton. Right. Oh, and of course, uh, you know, as we come to the, the sort of the climax of this minute, you've got tiny Ron, excuse me, Lothar, is uh, you know is asking uh, asking Wilmer where is it 
and you know and of course we know he's looking for and he finally says the rocket that's a great uh great line he's leaning on his chest and everything yeah. else yeah, that would not have worked as a tenor he just yeah he's bas- basso profundo <laughs> yes you can hear the uh the ceiling tiles rattling <laughs> He's not a uh, yeah. He's not somebody that takes uh, no for an answer. And and Wil- but Wilmer tries bravely. He's like, no, I'm 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 not answering to anybody but uh, Eddie Valentine. Right. <laughs> and Wilmer decides to uh, do a little macrame with <laughs> Wilmer's uh, traction <laughs> traction uh, ropes and pulleys. Wilmer gets the message here, and he says to ease off and and leave. You know. <laughs> Things go ill too. He he's not too good with you know. Didn't need any waterboarding here. It was like okay, right. <laughs> I can see where this is going. But it, uh, by the end of this minute, we still don't know how much he told, uh, how much yeah. he, how much he gives up. Yeah, we're, we're not going to find out until probably next week. So everybody out there will have to tune in and uh, and talk about this some more <laughs> next next week. And as as always, we're, as we're coming to the end of the week, you really should get on our on our list of people who get our uh, show automatically. So please. While you're up, while you're listening to this, go look at your phone or your whatever device you're listening to this on. Go over to iTunes or to uh, Google Play. Find our show. It's Rocketeer Minute. Just type uh, Rocketeer Minute in the search bar, and then when uh, iTunes or Google Play comes up with our the name of our show, hit subscribe, and boom. Every single day, Monday through Friday, you get this right on your mobile device, so you can listen to it while you're waiting for somebody in the hospital or... Uh, <laughs> You know, if Fibber McGee, McGee's over, you can you know tune into us. So it, it's it's always available there. Uh, if you want to talk about more about the show or tell tell us what we got wrong about 1938 history, or if you want to just you know consider the doorknobs in your in your home or office, uh, or if you out. sell wainscoting, and, yeah, uh, there you go. And you're willing to give Jim a deal. <laughs> yes, Chip, Joanna, we're waiting for you to call in. So, but uh, check us out, please, on our social media: Twitter, uh, Rocketeer Minute, uh, Facebook. Uh, dot com slash rocketeer minute or at the big site rocketeer com and we've got some cool swag out there like little action figures that look like billy campbell and such and uh, of course you can get a copy of the blu-ray or the digital copy so you can enjoy rocketeer itself again and again and again and again and i'm sure uh, walt disney's uh, folks will be very happy about that so please go check that out so let's let's pick all this up again next week thanks very much for listening again and uh we hope to talk to you, or hope you, we hope to talk. Yeah, we actually do hope to talk to you. You don't have to talk. You can just listen. But uh, we'll talk to you next week. So have a great weekend, and until next time, over and out. <laughs>